Hello everybody, welcome to Cup of Chai. Today is September 12, 2020. Uh, we have a special guest today, Ibrahim, as well as Awesome and Enes. Hello guys. Hi Jonah. Hi Jonah. How's everything? Fine. I'm tired Everyone today, good. totally. T- like, really, really tired. I don't know why. But Same. yeah, that's the case. I was with my students since morning. I'm exhausted. Yeah, this, I, I think this is one of the rare times we, uh, are, we recording are recording this late. Evening. So. Yeah. Also with college, um, it's probably because it's online. Our professors have been bombarding us with so many quizzes and homeworks. I can't feel you right now because thankfully I've graduated. So I'm out of that bound. It's but bad. Uh, we'll see with the, my PhD application how that goes. I don't know if they will accept any students with the PhD with the COVID, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, okay, so Ibrahim, hello. Hi, Jonah. Uh, how are you? Fine. How's everything? Yeah, everything is good. So today, you. um, you're going to be talking to us about journalism, right? Yes. So is that what you're studying right now? Uh, yes, uh, I'm studying digital journalism at Pace University. Uh, I'm a junior, although I was supposed to be a senior this year. Uh, things didn't work well, so I'm a junior. Uh, this is my second semester at Pace, yeah, and my school is uh, impersonally open. Yeah, um, on so campus you're... for two days. Huh, okay, you're going yes. half time, right? Hybrid. Yes, mm-hmm. two, for three classes. I'm on campus. Other than that, uh, I follow with via Zoom. Okay, I'm okay. So I want to start with this. Why journalism? Why did you pursue journalism? Uh, I have always wanted to become a journalist since my high school, early high school years. I always like to read newspapers, you know, collect some uh, interesting articles, etc. My plan wasn't to study journalism first. Uh, I was. Uh, planning to study either political science or international relations when I was in Turkey. Then I left. Uh, I came here. I started uh, as a political science major. Then I changed my major to journalism because uh, journalism teaches you something. Meanwhile, political science or international relations just teaches you some uh, theories and ideas. Other than that, when you graduate, you don't have uh, much to write on your resume or your job application. But when you s- study journalism, uh, you can write for a student newspaper. You can uh, start your own blog, etc. Yeah, I am pretty happy about this, studying journalism. I'm planning to pursue uh, my career as a correspondent, photojournalist, and a radio host. We'll see how it goes. Okay, what um, what's a correspondent? I personally don't know. It's like you represent a media company in a different, you know, country or place. Although it it doesn't literally mean you go to another country to you know represent that media company. You can be a White House correspondent. You have, you can be a United Nations correspondent. You can be a New Jersey State House uh, correspondent. It depends. But my goal is to. Uh, work in different countries and uh, yeah that was my plan and I first met a correspondent South Korea correspondent of newspaper Zaman and then 
I saw his, you know, life. I saw what he was doing. And then I said, yes, this job is for me. I want to do this. And right now I'm focused on being becoming a correspondent, but as well as photojournalist and radio host for now. That's do you all. know do you know what you want to focus on or uh like what i mean is so there are different types of journals right some of them are strictly political mm -hmm. so like what kind of journalism do you want to get into uh although i love politics i love talking about politics international relations uh my focus will be most likely you know, travel and documentaries, uh, cultural articles, cultural s stories. And my main goal is to uh, creating a first YouTube channel and then producing documentaries about cultures, travel, uh, sports. By the sports, I mean soccer, maybe Formula One. And also my other goal is creating a documentary about July 15th, Kuwaitan in Turkey. Mm. And New York Times is very good about this. They do have visual investigations where you see recently they published Beirut bombing, Beirut explosion. Uh, like they detailly show what happened, what's behind that explosion, etc. And then I think there should be a, a visual investigation that explains July 15th Kuwaitan. There is no video like this. There are a lot of videos where Adam Yuzaslan and Eli goes and talk about how it was planned, it was a theater, etc. But there is no, you know, visual investigation. And my plan is to create something like that and publish it on YouTube. Okay, so you mentioned New York Times, right? Um, yes. So would you say that New York Times? All right, this is going to be a bit controversial. So would you say that? um companies like new york times is reliable and that they, they do a good job because i'm really not sure you know the general public isn't sure who to trust so according to your views which uh, country uh brother which companies are more reliable i must say media in america is biased everyone knows this new york times the new york times washington post uh los angeles times these newspaper companies and mostly focus on criticizing the current government. They mostly do not support Trump and his ideas, and they're mostly against uh, his administration. But I believe that they are reliable because when you compare Turkish media and American media, you can definitely see the difference. I left Turkey in 2016, and things were bad when I left. Like media was controlled by the government. Only a handful of newspapers or other media channels were criticizing the government. But since the coup attempt 2016, July 15, uh, things uh, totally changed. Like the government controls the media. You can't trust because no one literally dares to ask any question because they are oppressed. They may go to jail, most likely. Here, things are different. The First Amendment, freedom of speech, etc. When you criticize the government or when you investigate something, you will not be punished. You will not be put into jail. New York Times has been working on Trump's tax documentations. And two years ago, they published 12-page something 
article about that. And I think they are reliable, but they are biased as well. Uh, there is no, no neutral media company in America. Maybe I would say NPR News. Uh, Fox News is right wing, mostly CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, left wing. So there is no neutral media in America. Neither uh, is anywhere in the world. I see. Are there places that you would like to work in the future? I would definitely love to work at New York Times, Washington Post, as well as Los Angeles Times, Boston Globe. And yeah, by, but my first goal is to work at New York Times. If it doesn't work out, I will try Washington Post, Chicago, Chicago Tribune, I guess, uh, Boston Globe, Los Angeles Times. There are many, many options. Maybe AP, Associated Press, Reuters. There are a bunch of media uh, outlets like Yammer. Yeah, the thing is, uh, with these companies, don't they like all have an agenda? Let's say you want to publish something, you want to write something, and you present it, mm -hmm. and they don't allow you. So what's going to happen then? Uh, here is how uh, publishing an article goes. Editors assign you a story and then you contact people, you uh, collect information, you write the story. There's a deadline for you. Let's suppose they say today is uh, September 12th. They say, okay, uh, deadline is September 25th. And you got to work on this story. Let's suppose it's about Beirut explosion. You have 13 days. You have to contact maybe Lebanon's ambassador in the United States. Uh, maybe some politicians, maybe some eyewitnesses, etc. Then you write your story, you submit it by September 25th. Then those editors check your story. They check your article. They may change your title. They may change your uh, paragraphs. Uh, because if you write something unethical or hard to explain or maybe a grammatical mistake, they don't want to be criticized for that. So you submit your article, it will not be published until those editors check it and then let the article be published on the website. Uh, if I may interrupt, would, were there any cases that those editors uh, published anything uh, does not that doesn't fit their own ideologies? Uh, let's say, uh, did a writer submit an article from New York Times that is not in same political view as a general political uh, New York Times agenda. Did such New thing York, happen or? Yeah, uh, I got your point. The New York Times is good when it comes to, you know, publishing other uh, opinions. Recently, maybe one month, one and a half months ago, uh, a United States Senator, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Uh, he's a Republican. He wrote a column for the New York Times. It was about protests, Black Lives Matter uh, movement and lootings. And then in his article, he suggested that National Guard and Homeland Security should go into cities, arrest people, maybe, you know, uh, kill them. Like he didn't directly say they should kill them, but he suggested and His words got a lot of attention by the New York Times readers. And they criticized the newspaper, not because they allowed a Republican 
for the paper, but because of his words, because of the editors to allow those words to appear on the paper. And maybe a week later, maybe 10 days, maybe earlier, the editor had to resign. It happened maybe, yeah, as I said, one month ago, the paper got criticized and then the editor had to quit. Now they assign another editor. Things like that might happen if editor makes a big mistake. Also recently, another editor, it was a local local newspaper in Wisconsin about Kenosha protests. A writer put a controversial title and then the editors didn't check it, just directly published it. And then both the writer and the editor had and yeah. things like that might happen. And that's why there is there are editors and if uh, they don't check it well they may have to resign or apologize so we might say there's a lot of pressure on the editors with each publishing Mm -hmm. you're gonna be a little uh, careful because otherwise readers might cancel their subscription they might say okay these editors uh, are untrustable okay ibrahim is there anything else you'd like to add That's all from me, and I'd like to thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, thank you. Um, okay, awesome. What's up? Hey, John, I'm good. I'm really happy because Boston won uh, his semifinal series. I was really excited for that series, and And thankfully, we won. Okay, awesome. That's great for Boston. I know you like Boston, so I'm happy for you. So, awesome. I'm going to be asking you a couple of things, a couple questions from the current series. And I'm going to ask you to quickly answer them, all right? Give us your thoughts. All right. I'll try my best. Okay. So, the first one's about the Lakers being 3-1 to one up from Houston. Um, We can say it's... Uh, it's a done series because as we're recording this, Lakers are up like 25 points in the last in fourth quarter. So it's going to be end soon. But for this series, I want to say when these two teams were matched up, everybody was excited because Lakers plays extremely big and Houston plays extremely small. So when two different stars clashes, it creates... excitement uh, for NBA but unfortunately it did not live up to expectations because Houston is not reliable and the game four I encourage every NBA fan to watch uh, game four and it it was really disgusting uh, for NBA fans when you're watching a game you want to see the teams give their 100% okay it may not be their best version but you want to see the effort but There was no effort from Houston, so and it it makes me re- really mad because if if you're gonna play like that, I wish there was an another team uh, instead of them, so we can see more effort. Uh, it's practically the series is done, and Lakers advance to conference finals. Congrats to them! Awesome. What do you mean by playing big and playing small? Like what? is the difference like uh okay so you know there are some traditional uh, positions in basketball uh small forwards power forwards centers and lakers play with 
uh, one center and Anthony Davis also can be played center, but he plays as power forward and they're really uh, big, like from height wise, and their wingspans are crazy big. But Houston's biggest guy is smaller than Lakers' third biggest guy, so they play small, but by playing small, they spread the floor very good. So these are two real different styles, and you want to see how they fight against each other. Oh, all right, I get it. And uh, so it's kind of about how you choose your players to play in the field, and if they're long, and so you have tactics tactics according to that, and then if they're shorter than the others, NBA players are never short, but like shorter than the other NBA players. Uh, then they have a little more widespread tactic, I guess, and that's called playing short. Yeah, yeah, that's called playing small. Okay, oh, uh, playing yeah, small. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Okay, so moving on. How about the Clippers versus Denver? Three to one. Clippers are up. I think it's three two. Uh, Denver won the last game. Um. Uh, most of the people expected this series to be a five-game series, like Clippers were the clear favorites. But I give a lot of credit to Denver. They're trying everything they can, but unfortunately, they're a limited offensive team. By limited, I mean sometimes uh, they get stuck because the Clippers can't defend Jokic very well, but other than that, they can play their perimeter guys very good. And if you're the guards cannot produce enough. Uh, you don't have much chance. But still, Denver won two games. They could have won uh, one more game. It was really unlucky that Denver couldn't finish the game. And I can say similar things about the Clippers. The, th- the things I said about Houston. Clippers are clearly the favorite to win the titles. I, I mean, not clear, but they're one of the two favorites, I can say. To win the title and they know that so they don't give their 100 percent because they know if you know like basketball is a long game 48 minutes they know if things don't go well in the first half when the second half starts they can just you know play better and beat the team so it gives them a uh, how can i say it? they they relax a little bit and as I said, you want to see the effort. The other teams plays really hard, but um, it is what it is. They're just too talented, and they're gonna probably win. But uh, I really wish then we can win the sixth game and make the series a game seven because game sevens are the best, and you never know what's gonna happen in game sevens. Awesome. How many game sevens have happened in this like? The past couple weeks, I would say I've heard a lot of like I've been seeing a lot of game sevens lately going on. Yeah, there have been three game sevens, and interestingly, all of them were extremely different from each other, and all of them were uh, very exciting in their own own terms. Like the Denver Utah was a very very low scoring game. I think it ended eighty to seventy eight. Like, you see those scores in 90s and 80s. It was really uh, amazing. And the Houston OKC played a really interesting last uh, game seven. I think we watched that together with you. Uh, with, yeah, with that you. was really nice. Like, I'm not a big basketball fan, 
but when it comes to close games and towards the especially the uh, last quarter it really gets hyped like the ch- challenging stuff that they're doing the energy that they're putting in the games those are like i get stuck to the str- screen i would say like they they were amazing yeah so why game sevens are really exciting because um playing against six times against the same team like you get used to them and they get used to do and your original plan a plan does not work because now the other team knows how to counter them and it all depends on little things um who's gonna get a more offensive rebound who's gonna get some second chances or a lucky shot you never know that and uh, it's it's crazy excitement i can say that yeah that, those were great games i would say as well thank you okay next up is miami versus bucks four to one okay so most of the nba writers and i was expected bucks to win and they were not wrong but it's a huge disappointment by the bucks like You're the uh, first team in the NBA and you're the number one defense and you lost by 4-1. It could have been easily a sweep 4-0 series. What I can say is Bucks coach Budenholzer is a great coach. But when it comes to playoff times, you need to make adjustments. The teams are going to play to your weaknesses. And if your A plan does not work, you have to be able to adapt and create little stuff in in game but he he really couldn't and in other team Miami's coach Eric Spolstra he's a brilliant coach he just outcoached the bar that's all i can say okay the next one i want to ask you is Boston that's 4 to 3 against Toronto yeah that was in another game 7 as and it's just mentioned so the last two games of this series was amazing especially game 6 again i really encourage every if you even if you're not nba fan just watch the highlights of boston toronto game 6 it's really exciting it went to double overtime and there were lots of ups and downs different storylines in this game and in this series so this was a defensive uh minded playoff series and it was really amazing to see one of the two best coaches in the NBA they go each other like it was a chess match it was amazing just to watch and to, for me it was not amazing i was dying every game and especially in game 6 and 7 when we lost the game 6 and fortunately able to win the game 7 it was really amazing And now you know the Boston and Miami is going to play in uh, Eastern Conference Finals. I just want to say a couple of things about that series. So I think I'm a little biased because I'm a huge Boston fan. But I think if Boston can limit Miami's not the best two guys Adebayo or Jimmy Butler, but if they, they can if they're going to be able to limit the other players I think they have a shot to win this series, but I can say Miami's uh bench units they can really score and Boston's can so I think that's going to be a really determining thing. Uh 
Miami's bench really scores well. Boston's bench can't. But Boston's uh, starters, I think they're better. But, you know, you got to get something from every player in your team. But I, I still like the Boston's chances in this series. But it's going to be a hell of a series. It's going to be so exciting. And I can't wait to watch. So you're th- saying we have to look up to those matches? They might be so close? And yeah. Exciting. Yeah, I think it's going to be very close. And it's, it's going to probably go to another Game 7. Also, Okay, so with Boston, uh, they're going against Miami, right? Yeah. Okay, so you're seeing a bright future for Boston, right? You're you're hopeful for Boston. Uh, you mean for the future seasons? Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. I I hope Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum will play a long time for Boston Celtics, and hopefully Kemba will also stay here. So yeah, I see a really bright future. I see a team that plays beautiful basketball under one of the best coaches in the NBA, Brad Stevens. So, yeah, I see a future, Brian. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add that maybe I forgot to ask you? No. No, that's all, Jonah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Okay, so, Ines. Hey. What's up? Tired, but doing good. Yeah. Okay, what do you, what do you have for us today? I have something really excited, actually. Uh, it's Neuralink. I don't know if you guys have heard or checked the news for the past week. Uh, Elon Musk has announced announced that they have been able to make a brain chip, uh, which have worked, and they've tried it on pigs. And he has done a big demonstration. He's put out uh, three pigs, three little pigs, uh, one with no implants in their brain, one uh, with an implant and one with an imp- that they have implanted and they've took up the chip. So this was to demonstrate that you, if you have an implant to your brain you, uh, with this brain computer, you can also remove it uh, and you won't get any paralysis or that, let's, that it is not harmless to your brain. Okay, what's he trying? What's he planning to do with those chips? What's the uh, his first goal is to eliminate some diseases, as in, like he plans on eliminating blindness, deafness, paralysis, memory, uh, like extending the memory and the strokes that people are having. These are his first goals to eliminate uh, from the humans as a general. Uh, but in as if in looking in the future, because with the brain power or understanding brain, uh, there might be a lot of different technologies that are going to be implemented through this. And I'm really excited about this and also really afraid. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, there was a episode on Netflix Black Mirror uh, where a mother implants a chip on their child's brain to see what they're doing. Yeah, I and watched this, that. Yeah, that was that was like that was scary. Uh, like I would not want that kind of a implant on my head, and I think it's unethical. But what right now Elon Musk is trying to do with for the health benefits, I think 
it's a good path that he is taking and that he's trying to do. But we never know how people are going to start using these. And when I am thinking of brain chips, something really funny comes to my mind. I don't know if you guys watched again, The Kingsman. Uh, yeah. What about but it? in The Kingsman one's last episode, because of the chips that the bad guy implements on people's heads, minds, and how they explode. Like when I think of that, it's so funny, but it's scary at the same time. Something that comes to my mind and makes me laugh. I wonder who's gonna be willing to, uh, like first try these on because it's, it's scary. You know, it's it's a risk. Uh, that's why they're like first for now doing demonstrations on animals, and if they manage to actually cure right now, like uh, they haven't been able to cure anything. But what they have been able to do is implement the chip successfully and being able to charge the chip. Also, because they have this chip, they've been able to show or predict uh, the movements of the animal and how they're going to act. That's a promising uh, thing that they can would be able to cure different diseases. And people who have those, like a paralysis, like if they don't have their eyesight, This would be something that those people would probably be willing to try. I would have, but do you, do you know if it's like an extensive surgery? Like, no. Is it, what is it? What they said was that you, uh, you can get into the surgery in a couple hours, and then you can get away and move on. Like it's not uh, like uh, that you would enter surgery. You would have to stay in the hospital for a couple days, and then if it works, you get out. It's just. You get in, you get something put in your brain, and in a couple hours you go out. How they're doing it is they also made a robot where this chip actually to get the signals from the brain has, I guess, a thousand small uh, strings on it, and this machine, huge machine, knits on the brain. Like it's actually a huge knitting machine that knits strings on your brain. According to what they've done with the demonstrations of the pigs, it works. Like we have been demonstrated that it works, but we don't know how it will work for humans right now. If it will be okay or not. So the things are going on. And what I heard about these things that Elon and the engineering team of Neuralink is trying to take it as fast as possible, like looking at from the engineering perspective. But the actual surgeons who are in the health field in this uh, matter are trying to take it slower because a human's life is worth way, way, way more than any technology that might help. That's why uh, they're trying to take a little slower approach. And this creates some conflicts within the company from what I have watched and heard from the news. But they're doing a great job and Elon Musk likes to push the limits as hard as he can. And they've been improving things. And hopefully these will actually be able to solve those kind of illnesses or blindness, paralysis, hopefully. Uh, deafness. And those people who cannot see, hear, or have that paralysis or short memory would be able to come over those things and would be able to see the world or hear people as all of us can do. Hopefully. We'll just have to see where it takes, where it goes. Yeah. Definitely. Well, okay, guys. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys, and especially Ibrahim, because uh, here on our podcast, we'll be starting a new series 
of interviews and he's going to be our host for these interviews. So Ibrahim, thank you, especially. I thank you for having me podcast bro. Thank you very much. Okay guys. Uh see you next week. See you. All right, Jenna. See you. See you.